welcome once again to the Perimeter Church Podcast. Who sent Christ to the cross? Does knowing the answer change your perspective? Founding Pastor Randy Pope continues the series Romans 8, Four Secrets to a Satisfying Life, with the second part of this sermon entitled Rest in God's Security, which covers Romans chapter 8, verses 31 to 39. For more information and to watch or hear other messages, please visit our website at Perimeter.org. Thank you for joining us today. Well, it's, uh, it's without any question at all that we're living in as difficult a days as uh, most living can remember. And uh, for the nation, uh, and as well for individuals that are walking through struggles that uh, we wouldn't be aware of, but are very, very deeply painful. It's in, uh, it's in times like this that uh, we're hearing a lot of deafening voices, voices that are crying out to us. And, and those that are going through the deepest of troubled times, uh, they're hearing that I, I really have no hope. Uh, I have reason to fear. I, uh, I can't live secure. In fact, I can't even believe I'm loved based on what's going on. And so what we need to do today in this series is to hear a different voice. This is the voice of God. This is the voice of God that cries out everything other than what we might be hearing right now. I know of no better place to hear the voice of God that in Romans chapter 8, the text that we're in through these five weeks in this series. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you now to turn to Romans chapter 8. I'm going to read the entire text that we're using over these five weeks, beginning in verses 31 through 39. And this is how it reads. And I'm going to make comment only on the first verse, which we, uh, which we did talk about last week a bit. But Verse 31 says, what then shall we say to these things? And uh, referring to all the things that have been said over the past uh, eight uh, chapters and particularly in the first verses of chapter 8. And then he begins with five questions. And the answer to these questions, uh, this is the loud voice that we need to hear that is telling us something totally other than the voices that we commonly are listening to. The first of these five questions, if God is for us, who can be against us? Next question, he who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not also with him freely give us all things? Next question, who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies Next question, well, who is the one who condemns? Jesus Christ is he who died, yes, rather who was raised, who's at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. And then the last question, who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine, nakedness, peril or sword? Just as it is written, for your sake, we're being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him 
who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor powers, height, depth, or any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now we are now in the fourth of of the uh, four different segments of Romans chapter 8. I'm going to put a quick outline up just so you can see. I'm entitling this Four Secrets to a Satisfied Life. And so I want you to just see these to remember where we have come over the past three years as we've been teaching these. Number one, secret number one, have to learn to experience acceptance. Number two, have to learn to rejoice in suffering. Tough to understand, but he gives us great, great insight there. It can be done. We can rejoice in suffering. Number three, we have to trust in God's sovereignty. Some of the more challenging verses of all of God's Word, but most important of all teaching of God's Word, 28 through 30. And now we come to the fourth, and that is rest in God's security, verses 31 through 39. Now, last week, we, we tackled the first of five questions, and that question is, if God be for us, you tell me who can be against us. And we talked then that there are formidable enemies. I mean formidable. It's not that we don't have anybody against us. That's not the issue. It's just that none of those enemies can be successfully against us. And so whether they be principalities or powers or rulers in the darkness or weakness in, in dark places, and the list goes on and on, really, of all the various opportunities to hear voices from these that are telling us over and over and over again, you're not loved by your God. You know that. Just look what's happening in your life. You're not loved by God. This is a story of greater love. I could not have been more encouraged getting a phone call this week from a, a man in our church who works with prisoners in a prison ministry. He told me the story of this last week, having given... Uh, a particular prisoner, uh, a, a laptop that he could use. And doing so, he just pointed him and said, you may want to just uh, tune in to Perimeter Church. And he did this last week. And when he did, he heard uh, the text that we just talked about, verse 31. And in doing so, here's a man who at 18 was put in prison because of murder in the first degree. 27 years now he's been in prison and my friend shared that based on all he could see and reading all the record and transcripts of whatever he's read that it just seems uh, inappropriate that, that this man would be capable of parole based on the circumstances of what happened and whether it should have even been a first degree. Not the point. But here's a man who shared his story that for 27 years, he's been in prison, and the word he used was agonizing over his life and circumstance and what was happening. He shared with my friend, he said, for the first time, I found peace. You see, that's the voice of God. And this young man, he heard a different voice. That's what has to happen to all of us here. We have some of our folks, our staff here, 
you that are watching, let me tell you. We've got to hear the voice of God. That's all there is to it. So this week we're going to hear his voice in another inflection. He's going to share something else for us to hear that's very, very important for all of us. It's in our point two of your outline, and that is, how shall he not also with Christ give us all things? Well, a lot to unpack in that particular verse, verse 32. I'm going to read the verse in full. It says this, he who did not spare his own son but delivered him over for us all, how shall he not also with him freely give us all things? I want you to notice here, I just read the question, but I didn't read the qualifier. If you read just the second half, how shall he not with Christ freely give us all things? Oh, that's legitimate. We could say, well, sure, there's, there's truth there. Nothing wrong with that. But let me tell you, you add that qualifier that precedes it, and let me tell you, different ball game now, all different without question. You see, Christians who are questioning the love of God, when they become convinced of what he's saying in this text right here, this is when all doubt begins to vanish. It's the story of greater love versus a lesser love. That's all it is. I'll illustrate it to be like, uh, let's say that you and I were uh, trying to buy a car and we negotiated uh, as best we could and got a deal that we think is very fair and very appropriate. And, and so finally we get it to this number, maybe a $30,000 car, whatever. And, uh, and we say, we're ready for the deal. And then we say, but hold on. And to the salesman, we say, oh, there is one other, there's something else you've got to throw in. You've got to throw in a tube of leather cleaner for the seats and all the leather in the car. If you will throw that in for the 30000 deal done. Can you imagine the salesman saying, uh-uh, deal breaker there? You say, that's ridiculous. How could you even think that way? It's the very same thing here. He says, look. If, if you'll do the greater thing, agree on the greater, what, what's the lesser thing? It'd be like for a, a, a parent and a child, and the, and the child says, uh, you know, can you give me $5? No way will I give you $5. No. I'll give you 100 but I won't give you 5 Say, what? Uh, you're, you're, not, you're not talking sensibly now. Well, if you'd give me What? That's exactly what he's saying here. He says, how could it be that when you are the enemy of God, which all people in sin, the Bible records it clearly, is an enemy of God? He says, now you're going to tell me that as an enemy of God, he would not spare his own son, but you don't think he's going to take care of you in all of the lesser things? I realize that some of those lesser things seem pretty big to us, but we're about to see that not really. And by the way, in the English text, there's a word missing. It's an intensive particle, as it's called in the Greek. It, uh, it magnifies, it intensifies, and though we don't see it in many of the translations, even the one that I use, it would be with the word surely placed in front of that last part, surely he will give us all things, surely. 
Lloyd-Jones, Martin Lloyd-Jones, great commentator of Scripture, said it this way, the God who has already done the supreme thing for us surely cannot fail to do anything less than that in order to lead us to the ultimate good for which he did the greater thing. By the way, it's, uh, it's too long of a, uh, of a reading for me to use right now. But I'm going to encourage you. You've heard me, in fact, just recently, you've heard me say uh, New Morning Mercies, the, one of the greatest uh, devotional readings. It's the best I've ever come across personally. I haven't read them all. But I have to say, uh, day in and day out, God uses that in my heart. And uh, I would encourage you, if you go on to our notes that uh, come with our message, uh, you can pick this up. I have it in there. Uh, it is out of April 14. And if you don't get New Morning Mercy, if you haven't got it, you ought to get the book. But April 14th, read what he has to say as he discusses this same text. Very important. Now, here is the issue. It's, it's not good enough for you or for me in the midst of the worst pain agony, struggle that we could even imagine. It's just not enough. It's not enough just to hear, I love you. Oh, it should be enough. It's God saying it. I love you. But there's something about us with all these voices that are screaming through the circumstances of life that we're experiencing. We have to say, I, I, don't, I don't sense it at all. I don't feel it. I can't even believe it. I don't think it's true. It cannot be. And we're just actually saying to God, you prove it. Can you prove that you love me with my child, whatever it may be, my marriage, whatever it may be, the world we're living in? Are you telling me that you love your people? I don't see you loving me. See, sometimes we just need proof. Nearly a decade ago, I taught this same text, and I am convinced, any of you here, any of you watching that happen to have been here that near a decade ago, you don't remember anything I said during this text except this illustration that I used. You will remember it. But for so many who have not, I think it makes a good point. It's a story of Carol and my engagement, and when we got engaged. We'd been dating for years. I'd never told Carol that I loved her. I, I said I would never tell her I loved her until I really knew love, what it was, and I was really believing it, it meant for us to be married. And so uh, there was no thought that I am going to give her an engagement ring. And so I, uh, I schemed an idea that uh, maybe I would just have the ring on her finger when I asked her to marry me without her knowing it. I won't go into how I did that. Uh, it, it did succeed perfectly. It was fairly genius, I will say. But anyway, it happened. And so we're at the nighttime, and we're outdoors at a very beautiful place, and I ask her, would she marry me? Now, I'm a practical jokester, and many people that know me well know that, and she knew it as well as anybody, and I knew what she'd be thinking. This is what she'd be thinking. Randy Poe, if this is a joke, I'm going to kill you. That's what she'd be thinking. I knew it. And so I wanted to make sure she knew. When I said, I want to marry you, that she knew I meant it. 
and I would follow through with it. And so when that moment came and she, are you serious? I had a little pin light in my hand and I popped it on and shot it right on the ring. And she sees that ring and she goes, oh, you really mean it, don't you? You really mean it. Well, she knew that I was way too cheap to spend something like that on a practical joke. But let me tell you, when we come to God's word here, he says, I love you. And we look at circumstances and we say, I don't buy it. You're telling me you're a loving God to me? No. And he says, I'm going to prove it to you. And that's where our text comes into these words that I want to just unpack very briefly. We need to dig into these words because they tell us, oh, he proved it. Here's the first word, he. Our text there, he who. Uh, who is he? He, God the Father. He, wait, what do you mean? He, he did what? Is God responsible for this? No, who is responsible for the death of Jesus? Do you know what most of us think? Well, we say, well, uh, certainly it was uh, Herod uh, and Pilate. And, of course, the Jews, we know that they were the ones that killed him. And I guess if you really get down to it, we have to say that uh, you and I, uh, you know, we actually are the ones. That's not what our text is going to tell us. It's going to tell us that no, God the Father was his plan. Oh, these others' instruments, even the devil himself? Oh, absolutely. Instruments to bring about what? The plan of God the Father. That's what we have to understand. I, you say, where do you get that? I could give you 10 verses, text right now. I'll give you two of them. First of all, out of Isaiah 53, verse 4. It says, surely our griefs he himself bore and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. He was smitten by the Father. Go down to verse 10. The beginning of the verse says, But the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief. There's no avoidance the fact that God has a plan that includes suffering for you, for me, for his own son. But the next words, they take us a little deeper. Uh, the words spared not. They spared not. Now, the Septuagint, uh, many of you would not be aware, Septuagint is the, is the Old Testament that is in, primarily in Hebrew, and it's now put in the Greek, and in the Greek language, we call that the Septuagint. In the Septuagint, it's interesting that this word spared not, the same Greek word is used to translate the words in Genesis 22, where it talks about the, uh, the story of Abraham and, and Isaac, his son. Many of you know the story that Abraham is told by God, take your son that he'd been waiting and waiting and waiting for, thinking he'd never get. He gets the son and the son grows up. It's the love of his life. And God says, now take your son and go out and I want you to sacrifice him. You're going you're to take his life for my sake here. That goes against everything you would imagine and assume. But he said, God, you said it in ways far clearer than you and I would hear God today. And he knew God had said that, and he says, 
I will do it. He didn't joyfully go and say, oh, I'll, I'll give my son now. It won't be a problem. God will take care of this. You know he was in total anguish, and he takes that knife, and he raises it up, and you can just imagine what he's thinking as he's ready to plunge into the, into the life of his son, and he's ready, and all of a sudden, the voice of God speaks and says, no. Look over there in the thicket. There's a ram. You go get that ram. That'll be the sacrifice. And it's the same story. The lamb or the ram, a type of Christ, in the stead of the target that was prepared to die. That's you and me, the target prepared to die in our sin. And God says, no, I'm not going to spare my son. It's the only hope for life eternal. The next word, delivered him, and implied delivered him up. Up to what? Delivered him up to the wrath of God, the Father. Colossians 2 says that he was at this time in the control or grasp of the powers of darkness. Imagine that God himself is now in the grasp, in the control of the powers of darkness, the evil one himself. And his domain, and now, because God says, I'll deliver him up to what? You go and be put in the grasp of our worst enemy, the devil himself, and let him have you in control of him. You remember the story at the Garden of Gethsemane. In the Garden of Gethsemane, here is Jesus going away to pray right before his execution. He knows what's coming. And he's praying in such a way that, that's, that, that drops of blood are coming out as sweat. It's like he's at the point of agony that you and I cannot even imagine. And let me tell you, he prays, let it pass. Please, God, of all things, please let this thing pass, knowing that you can let it pass. And you're God Almighty. You can do whatever you choose. And he says, please let it pass and God remains silent. No, no less silent than many of us that say, and where is God when I cry out? I've said, take this away, take it away. And by the way, if any of us here think that what he's actually saying is the pain of being crucified, I can't even imagine physically what this is going to be. Folks, that is not the issue at all. I bet I've read 10 stories over the last, uh, life, life stories of people over the last uh, few months who are martyrs. And one after the other after the other, at the moment they're at the stake, ready to be lit, to be burned to death, before they have their, their arms severed, their hands or their, whatever it is, uh, some of the most brutal deaths I could ever imagine. And these martyrs, you know what they're doing? They're not just saying, you know, let it, let it pass, God, let it pass. You know, they're saying, they're saying, bring it on, bring it on. All you can do is physically kill me. Let me tell you, that is not what Jesus was so upset about. It was something far worse. And that's what we find in Luke 22 when he screams out in that moment, my God, my God, why have you, my Father, why have you forsaken me? Why have you forsaken me? And we think, well, Jesus should know that it's only going to be for a, a brief period of time. In three days, he's rising up, and, 
and he's going to be, you know, taken to the throne of God and so forth. And surely, I mean, it's not that long. Really? You ever experience separation from somebody that you deeply, deeply love? I can't imagine how minor this is, but my son, my first son went off to college. And driving him to college, I was bawling like a baby. It was pathetic. And at the same time, as I often say, if the only way you'd see me crying worse if, if, if he told us he were not going to college. That would even be worse. But here he's going off to college. This is a good thing. And I'm crying. I lay in his room at night, night after night for a week or so, and just bawl and cry. I've been separated from my son. He's not that far away. He's going to school 100 miles from here, 150. Well, what's the deal? My daughter goes off to missions work, and she's going to be gone a year, and we won't see her and coming away from, the, from the, the airport, putting her on her flight. I was crying so hard, Carol says, got to pull it together. People are going to think there's been a plane crash. You've got to pull it together. It was pathetic. Now, let's take that. I mean so much deeper. It's, not, it's, it's ridiculous, but it is so much deeper. What happens when you lose your little child? What happens when your little two-year-old dies? What do you do when your, when your teenager dies and, and is taken away and you're separated? And I don't care. You can argue and say, well, he's a Christian. You know, you're going to see him in heaven. You'll see him forever. And say, that means nothing. There is separation that hurts so painfully we can't describe it. Now, you've got to take this out to a much deeper level than we could ever imagine. And this deeper level is a level of love that you and I have never experienced. This is a love between God the Father and God the Son. It is a perfect love. And that separation, as he says, why have you forsaken me? It's not just a separation. It's a separation of a father that says, I'll forsake you, son. I had a father that left our family unannounced. Many of you know the story. Wrote a note, gone forever, kept his word. He forsook me. He forsook the family. And Pain, yes. But let me tell you, this is a perfect love, separated. That's why it's so hard. The deeper the love, the harder the separation, and this is the deepest of all. Now Paul is saying, are you telling me, are you telling me that when you were the enemy of God and he did this for you, that now you think as a child of his, you're not going to do, he's not going to do all the lesser things in life that are important for us. You see, if, if you're not secure in the love of God, I don't think you understand this text. This text is screaming at us saying, you are loved. One last Little phrase here, all things, lastly. All things and implied is needed, thus being good for us. Oh, it doesn't mean that 
Oh, everything that comes in our life is good. Oh, no. I mean, we're, we, we got, I mean, as many listeners as we have, many people watching right now. We've got that many people who can say, this is bad, and it came into my life. Is it bad? Yes, it's bad. Does God say that is bad? Yes, he says that is bad. But what God is saying is that it works for good. And see, that's coming out of verse 28, and we haven't studied it in this series but in the last series we looked at, it's verse 28. God so, I mean, he loves us in such a way that he says, I'll work all things together for good. Not that all the things are good, but I'll work those things that aren't good together for good. You see, what God is saying is, give me your worst nightmare. Give me your very, very worst, and I will guarantee you, I will execute my providence in such a way to bring about such a glorious conclusion you won't be able to imagine it. You can't. You cannot even imagine it. And then he says, and by the way, if you don't believe it, you just look at the story of my son. That's as bad a separation. That's as bad a thing that could happen to you that happened to him. And you look at him now. He worked it together for the good that now he is the exalted one. That's what he does with us. Does it require faith? Yeah. Does it mean you don't just go by feelings? Yeah. Does it mean that you don't hear voices that say otherwise? Oh, no, you'll hear the voices. But you've got to hear the voice of God. Let me conclude saying first to Christians, you've got to hear this voice of God. You've got to hear him saying repeatedly and loudly, I love you, you matter to me, you can rest secure in my love, I will move heaven and earth so that that can happen. That's the voice of God. Will we hear other voices? Oh, absolutely we're going to hear other voices. Other voices are going to say, you know God doesn't love you. Just look what's happening in your life. Haven't you been praying and praying and praying? Have you ever heard God? Have you ever felt him near in the midst of your worst of pain when you cry to your father and say, please, please now, have you heard him? No. You've been begging a long time. You know that. God must not love you. Do you see why each week for all these years that I keep, and now Jeff does the same, pointing you back to the cross? It's not just that, not that we would just hear him say, I love you, but to hear him say, how shall I not with my son now, freely give you all things. Seekers, why wouldn't you marry Jesus? Why wouldn't you look at him and say, that's who I want to be married to? It means falling in love. Well, how do you fall in love? By understanding his love for you. That's why this text is so important. One last question. How do we know that we love him? How do we know? Because we feel it? Because we, have a, we prayed a prayer one day? Because we had an experience that maybe followed that prayer or came at another time? No. It's a fruit. What do you mean fruit? It's a changed life. It's a non-follower becoming a follower and a faithful follower at that. How would Carol know that I love her? Would it be because I told her that night when I said, will you marry me, that I said I love you? That means, therefore, I do love her now? 
even that I loved her then. No, that doesn't mean a thing. Important to hear, but not enough. Is it because I went to a ceremony and I had a ceremony that got us married together and therefore, therefore I, I love her and that's it? No, no, no. She's going to say, I know it by the fruit. I know it by the way you live with me. I know it by the way you demonstrate your love toward me. Same way with our God. It's by fruit. So this week, you listen to the voice of God. You listen to the voice of God saying, I spared not my son. How am I not going to give you, my child, all things? That, that's the good news we call the gospel. And if we'll listen to that voice beyond all the other voices, that's when we rest secure. As we pray together, let's pray. Father in heaven, we ask you now to grant us to rest secure as seekers. As we listen now, we, we pray, God, I want to marry you. And I don't know that I love you yet, but I want to marry you because I've just seen, would you show me your love all the more until my knee bows, my heart follows, and my life obeys. Grant that, we pray, for all of us as Christians. Forgive us where we have doubted your love, even though you spared not your own son. Cause us to believe you'll give us all things. All will work together for good. And we thank you in the great and matchless name of our Savior, Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to the Perimeter Church Podcast. Perimeter Church is located at the corner of Highway 141 and Old Alabama Road in Johns Creek, Georgia. Please visit our website at www.perimeter.org for more information to give us your feedback, and find other messages from our teaching team. Thanks for making this podcast a part of your day.